Welcome to the Mentor's Memo Podcast with Dr. Robert J. Watkins. You may know Robert's story. He was born an orphan and handed over to an inner city orphanage. But for the last 25 years, Robert has embraced his calling as the empire builder and mentored millions of people around the world. And he can mentor you. He's authored several best-selling books, including Never Chase a Paycheck Again. Robert is also the recipient of the United States Presidential Lifetime Award. His mission is to mentor you to uncommon success. Here's Robert. Hello, this is Robert Watkins with the Mentor's Memo. And today I wanna talk to you about racism and how to overcome racism and how to overcome racism at work. You know, what does it mean to be a black man in America? But also, what does it mean to be a black man in America who works in corporate America? So whether you're the CEO or perhaps you are a janitor at the local office, or maybe you are a lawyer or a doctor, or maybe you are an account manager, but you have to deal with people who don't look like you. And you know they don't like you for the simple fact that perhaps that you make them nervous or you bring about fear in your presence your very presence just intimidates them. But I want to give you five things to do to overcome racism. And like many black professionals like me, I spent most of my time in corporate America being the only black guy in the room. And you know, if you are more than 40 years old, you spend 70% of your time, your waking hours at work. And in most cases, dealing with someone who doesn't look like you. And we all hear what's in the news, the names of of black men that have been murdered or killed at the hands of someone white. You know the names like George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, James Floyd. We know these names. And unfortunately, they died at the hands who was motivated by someone who was racist. So how do you overcome racism? And I'm hoping that this is a unifying message and these five things to do to help overcome racism. And even if you're white and you're listening to this right now, how do you overcome your racism? And even if you're black, how do you overcome your racism? And these five things. Now listen, I've been pretty successful in my life. I've traveled around the world. I've written books. I've been honored by the president of the United States with an award for lifetime service. I've, I've got several degrees. I've taught business at M University. I've done a lot of things in my life. And in most cases, there have been the presence of racism. And the higher you go and the closer you get to power in many cases, the more evident it becomes. But I've had to overcome some things. And first of all, it started with my attitude. And I'm going to give you five things to do to overcome racism at work. So what does it mean to be a black man in America? What does it mean to be a black man in America working in corporate America? Well, I'll give you a, a brief story before I give you these five things to help me to overcome it. When I was 12 years old and the police arrived at my junior high school and they came and they picked me up. They called me out of math class. I'll never forget it. And these two big white police officers, and they called my name, and they they took me out of class, and they put me in the back of a squad car. They didn't tell me where I was going. They didn't introduce themselves. They didn't give me a story. I thought I was going to jail. I had no idea where I was going. But they took me down the street where I lived, 
And at the time, my family had just moved from an all-black neighborhood to an all-white neighborhood. We were the first family to live in that neighborhood in Monroe, Michigan. And I remember my dad closed on the house. It was a great time. And at the time we moved into that neighborhood, I was in fourth grade and I was the first black person, first black student to integrate my, my elementary school, Monroe Townsite. And, but we had lived there for several years. And as the police car drove down my street, I began to see fire trucks and other police cars. And they drove up to my house and there it was, burnt down to the ground. I was 12 years old. The police officers who didn't speak to me the entire 20 minute ride home, they opened up the door and I ran out into my front yard and there I found my dad on the front lawn with a water hose in his hand and he was on his knees. The house was smoldering. It was, I remember the smoke like it was just yesterday coming out of the ground. And I said, dad, what happened? And he said, I don't know. And I looked around and I saw the faces of, of, of those police officers and I saw the fire truck and there was no one moving. There was, there was no water going and he had a water hose in his hand. And I looked around and I said, dad, I hate white people. Now that was a defining moment for me at that time because there's a lot of things that my dad could have said to me at that time. He could have said, yes, white people are bad. He could have said, yes, white people are wrong. He could have said white people are racist, but I'll never forget what he said to me as a 12-year-old little black boy. He said, son, hate no man. And I remember those words and they carry with me into when I went to college and um, I went to an all-white school and, and, and then I went into the, the army and I was surrounded by, by, by white people and I went into corporate America and it was always the, the first black guy to do a lot of things in my life and I carried that words around to me son hate no man and I was able to to get along with with colleagues and I remember the first job out of college my second job out of college and I worked for a valuation firm based out of Milwaukee Wisconsin I was living in Atlanta at that time and I just gotten married and, and closed on a home and it was a great time and they flew me to Milwaukee for training and I heard two white men over to the side had just met and they had a bet that the black guy wouldn't last more than three months. They didn't think I was smart enough to understand the mergers and acquisitions and, and securities and how to value businesses. They didn't think that I would understand because I was black. Well, 11 years later, I had made the company around $9 million in profits. I was the number one salesperson uh, for, for my region. I was very successful there. And when it was time for me to leave, 11 years later, I had a great career at that company. I lasted more than three months in the face of racism. Majority of my clients were at the time, I was probably 25 to, to, to around 35 during that time, during those 10, 11 years that I worked there. And most of my clients were older white men who were CEOs of healthcare systems and Fortune 500 companies. I was able to relate to them because my dad told me, son, hate no man. As I said, there are many things that I can deal with, but racism is not one of those things. And so we have to deal with it. So I wanna give you these five things right now. If you're dealing with racism on your job or racism at school, if you're a college student, if you're, if you're dealing with racism, whether you're white or black, here's the first thing you need to do. When there is a, when in the face of racism or a joke that's being told, number one, 
convey to them your disapproval or discomfort. Studies show that when racism is confronted, the person that is doing the racist joke or being racist, in many cases, they don't know that they're being racist. Now, I'm not talking about the person who's walking around with a, you know, with a white sheet over his head. I'm talking about the guy who, who maybe he grew up racist. There was a guy by the name of Mickey Mantle. That's his real name. And he was kind of older kid in the neighborhood. And I remember I was going down the street and he said, hey, Robert, come over here. And uh, I went over to in his garage. He was cleaning up his garage for his dad. And he said, you know what? You know why colored people are colored? I said, why? He said, because it shows all the crap they're full of. I said, oh, my God, that is so bad. And this guy I played baseball with, we played basketball together. I kind of looked up to the guy. But that's what he was trained in. That's what he learned at home. And so I had to let him know my disapproval. I had to let him know that that was discomforting to me. And he ended up apologizing because he had never had, I was his first black friend. He didn't know that was wrong. And so the second thing, after you convey your disapproval, the second thing is convey your feelings. I remember getting off the bus at Monroe Town site, fourth grade, and a guy by the name of Greg Florian. When I got off that bus, the very first black to go to that school, he said, there he is. There's that nigger right there. Let's get him. And Greg Florian and Wayne Nunn, they jumped me. And I got in a fight my very first day coming off that bus. I ended up in the principal's office. I conveyed to them in that principal's office how that made me feel. Greg Florian and Wayne Nunn became my best friends. They like playing baseball, I like playing baseball. They like playing basketball, I like playing basketball. And we became great friends all through elementary school. And then and then and then and then junior high school. But I had to convey my feelings. First of all, convey your disapproval, convey your feelings. And then thirdly, question their fear. Yes, absolutely. Racism is based in fear and ignorance, not knowing. Did you know that 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 scientists back during slavery time, they thought that black men's brains were smaller than theirs. That's why white men were smaller, were smarter, according to them. Well, we know that's not true. <laughs> okay, but that's really what they believe. And so it's based in fear and ignorance. Ignorance meaning not knowing. It's okay if someone is ignorant, as long as it doesn't affect us. So co confront their fear, question their fear. Why are you afraid of me? What did I do? Does my presence, uh, does it, did it intimidate you? All of that is based in fear. Here's number four, don't get triggered. What do I mean by that? Racist people want to push you. They want to push your buttons. They want you to react. And I'm asking you not to react. I love what Martin Luther King and his nonviolent uh, approach to racism. And it worked because he got a law passed. The Civil Rights Act of 1964. Man, that was a landmark legislation. And it was done without a shot being fired. And I'm asking you to do the same thing. Don't let it trigger you. That's why I'm asking you to pray for those that despitefully use you. Pray for those that 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 it, it, that that it is trying to come against you. And sometimes, you know what? It's okay to turn the other cheek because they're ignorant. Don't let them push your buttons because if you do, guess what? You'll be like me in the principal's office. You'll be like me that that is that ready to strike back, and you're not going to win that fight. Here's number five. And this is going to be a hard one. Compliment those 
that are racist against you. What I mean by that? Just laugh at them, man. <laughs> you know, it does something to them on the inside. Man, that is the craziest thing I ever heard. Man, I'm like, don't call them a racist because now you're going to put them there. But their act is racism. Call out their acts. And man, you're acting very racist. <laughs> it's okay to laugh with them. It's okay. Listen, I love what, 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 what the response that laughter works like medicine. No, racism is not funny. There's nothing funny. What we're doing, we are disarming them spiritually and emotionally. And we're going to affect them by complimenting. Man, nice shoes. And then just laugh and kind of walk away. Yeah, I know that sounds a little um, crazy, uh, but it works. Trust me. And they'll say, wow, there's something different about that guy. So number one, convey your disapproval. Number two, convey your feelings. Number three, question their fear. Number four, don't get it twisted. Don't let them trigger something on the inside of you. They want to push you. And finally, compliment through the racist act. And listen, don't let them push you. Laugh because you're bigger than that. Racism is the smallest form of evil. Racism is, is, is in the class of ignorance. Racism cannot be tolerated. But listen, confront them. Don't let it get to you. Because if you let it get to you, you're going to lose. Listen, I want to give you, I want to talk to the, the black man for, for a moment. There's something that I posted a while back that became a really big, uh, it actually went viral. And I think it's going to be a blessing to you. And I want to tell you something that that black people, black men especially. I want to give you a, a letter to black men. And it says this, dear black men, you've overcome 400 years of slavery, mass incarceration and fatherlessness. Now you are feared by the same racist system that oppressed you. Dear black man, you are still loved and respected by your black woman, by your black children and your black community. Everything about you is special. Dear black man, you are wonderfully made in the image and the likeness of God. No one can compare to you. And the last thing I'll say, dear black man, you are powerful. And I'm going to say this, dear white man, we can be powerful together. Together, we can walk in hand in hand. Together, we can be brothers. Together, we can build this nation. We can change the world and show this next generation what unity really looks like. I'm Robert Watkins with the Mentor's Memo. I pray that I said something to inspire you to overcome racism. I look forward to learning more about your vision. God bless.